0: Well, uh, hello, family.
1: Hi.
0: My My is Greg from Dave. I'm an addict. Hi, family. Uh... Tonight, uh... Yeah, hold it down, John. Tonight, I'm going to try to, uh... stimulate some questions in your minds. So that you can ask some of the people that will be here a little bit later to to further elaborate on them. Uh, I've been called a lot of things, one of which is uh, is an NA historian and a policy expert, and uh, done a lot of research uh, that has contributed to. Uh, some of our longer-term members' uh, uh, talks on the history of this fellowship. Um, I'm going to go before pre-'50, and just to say that the uh, Book of Organizations lists in 1942 in Lexington, Kentucky the formation of of an organization called Narcotics Anonymous and, uh, it doesn't bear any resemblance to the, uh, <coughs> fellowship that started in Southern California. There were, uh, a number of attempts to, uh, do something called Narcotics Anonymous, uh, in various forms, uh, in Cleveland, in New York City, uh, in Lexington, and, uh, all of those, uh, efforts, uh, failed. Uh, there was a group that met in, uh, the, in the, in the Lexington, uh, uh, federal detox down there in Kentucky. <coughs> and, uh, that's the earliest knowledge that anybody has of the use of the name of Narcotics Anonymous. It was basically a group therapy session for ex-belt you know. And, uh, they had, uh, put out this thing called The Key. Which was a magazine, a little newsletter. And when you go to look at the, uh, the minutes of the formation of Narcotics Anonymous, which are, uh, here, you'll see that it says our purpose has been taken from the key. And, uh, for a lot of times that, for a long time that was hidden because, uh, the of the general obscurity of the documents and the unavailability of the documents of our formation uh there was a group that operated in uh in New York that was basically uh, uh sponsored or helped along by uh the Salvation Army uh, and they they operated there for uh, from the mid 1940s until uh 1952 uh at the beginning the formation of narcotics anonymous in the San Fernando Valley uh in in California was uh they were co- they contacted this uh New York organization and uh the New York organization said, "Well, hey, man, we're doing our own thing, and uh, we don't want any part of what it is that you're doing." So, the Narcotics Anonymous that we are all members of evolved independently of that. When, when several uh, uh, members and, and friends of mine were out in California, we went back to uh, talk to some of the uh, the people who were. Around, you know, 20, 25 years, uh, ago. The story that we were told about the formation of Narcotics Anonymous is, uh, is, is really interesting. You know, there's several versions, uh, of how we got started. Uh, but the one that's, that's most believable and was substantiated by the most number of, of older members out there was that, uh, the H&I coordinator for AA uh... in southern california was besieged by a prison warden in southern california and asked what can you do for these drug addicts and uh... the guy says well there's nothing we can do you know they're different and they don't they don't recover you know uh... well thanks to the persistence of this uh... warden uh... he made the h and i coordinator promise that he would look into trying to do something So. What occurred out of that was he, he knew of a member, uh, that was involved in, uh, was a member of AA who was involved with a program called Habit Forming Drugs, which was, uh, trying to, uh, help addicts, you know, like on the street and help them, you know, get clean and generally run them into, you know, to AA meetings. And, uh, so what happened at the time was, uh, this member uh, was kind of hand-picked by the H&I coordinator from the uh, AA Fellowship, and all other members whom this gentleman had knowledge of uh, were picked to form or to try and, <coughs> and form something that was independent of Alcoholics Anonymous that could help the addict. And that became known as AANA. Uh, the San Fernando AANA group. Well, that immediately caused some controversy. And uh, <laughs> this uh, uh, founding, one of our founding members, uh, Jimmy K., uh, who is now deceased, his wife is still living, so I won't, uh, well, you'll probably hear all that, Jimmy Kennan, uh, we have some tapes and videos and, and things that, like that of talks that, that Jimmy has given, uh, some of them, the formation of our service structure, uh, how that was formed and the discussions and, and we'll, we'll be, you know, looking at a lot of things. But anyway, uh, they called, uh, they called it AANA and this guy says, well we can't do that because AA doesn't want us to use the AA name. Well, course, you know, in an uninformed group conscience, they voted it down. They wanted to, you know, to keep that affiliation. And so the organization of AA, this member, Jimmy Kinnon, wrote him a letter and said, well, you know, look, uh, we want to use, these people want to use the AA name and attach it to NA and call it AANA. And uh, there was a letter written from the uh General Service Office in New York, uh, stating without, uh, any, you know, uh, gray areas that they, that, uh, they would not allow, uh, Narcotics Anonymous to use the AA name. So this gentleman was vindicated. Uh, the first meeting uh, to form the Fellowship of Narcotics Anonymous Uh, By all, the available documentation occurred on August 17, 1953, and the first recovery meeting was on October the 5th uh, in 1953, and there's a uh, copy of of the uh, flyer for the first meeting here uh, somewhere. This is not all in order anymore, Uh, and a copy of the first uh, white book. I have all this uh, original literature and stuff at home, but I didn't realize that. Uh, I mean, I'd have had to load up my whole car with stuff to bring it up here. So, here's the sign-in sheet for the first recovery meeting. There were 17 members who signed in. There may have been more in attendance. Uh, and here is the flyer. Starting Monday night, October 5th. And each Monday night thereafter at 8.30. So, that's a little bit of, uh, interesting stuff about our history. Uh, a lot of meetings at that time, there was, there was like, uh, you know, people were, uh, going to different people's houses, they carried the coffee cups around with them, and, uh, they called them rabbit meetings. And that was because, at the time, addicts were being hassled a lot by uh, the uh, local constabulary. And so uh, they had to to hide. Addicts were scared to come to the meetings because they felt that the meetings were staked out and they might get busted. Uh, that happened uh, in New York. They tried to start Narcotics Anonymous at related to the Southern California Fellowship in, the, in New York, but the uh, Rockefeller Laws got them. So it was until 1982 that the first meeting of Narcotics Anonymous really was allowed to exist freely in, uh, in New York City. Uh, New York City today has, uh, at, at last count, 1,002 meetings a week. And they account, uh, that's one twentieth of the, pro- of the, uh, total population of Narcotics Anonymous. And, uh, <clears throat> so, uh, it's come a long way. The power and the message of Narcotics Anonymous is what, uh, what, uh, is most interesting to, you know, to, to most of us, I suppose. Uh, between 1953 and 1956, there was probably, at the most, six meetings uh, that were going at any one time. And in 1959, for a period of about five months, there were no regular N.A. meetings held anywhere in the world. And what happened was, according to Jimmy Kennan on one of his tapes, was that N.A. had become affiliated with uh, a treatment center and uh, had, had, you know, become a one-man rule, and they were not following the traditions. And so Jimmy and a few other people decided that they were going to, you know, start it back up and get together and carry on. And uh, Jimmy was the only contact uh, known around the country. Uh, for Narcotics Anonymous for almost 32 years. Uh, he answered the phone and, uh, used all his money to, uh, to, to, you know, Xerox literature and, and, and to, you know, talk to people on the phone night and day. And, uh, you know, he never wanted to be like a, a, a Bill Wilson or a, a founder. You know, he believed that that he was just an instrument, you know, being used as a part of, uh, of an idea. And, and, and his service was service to God and was service to the principles. And it didn't matter to him. Uh, there's, you know, many stories about Jimmy and a newcomer and a coffee pot, you know, for years. That he'd always go find somebody and bring them into a meeting just for years. And it wasn't until about 1956 that the first NA literature was uh, was printed, and that was a, a really odd, uh, odd reading version of what we call today the White Book. Uh, it, it's, it's it's real different, uh, and unfortunately, uh, I don't have it. It's interesting that the, uh, I don't have it with me, but it's interesting that the printing was uh, was done, and then, then N.A. died. Uh, so they, they started a backup with four members uh, in, in 1959, and then they uh, <coughs> published another white book, Without Stories. And the Board of Trustees was established in about 1965. Uh, nobody knows. For sure, why, except that uh, it was felt that th- that they needed a larger uh, base uh, from which to uh, make their decisions. And, and the number of meetings had increased uh, <clears throat> by that time to about uh, eight or nine meetings. And in 1966 there was ten meetings and a- a- approximately, and they started out uh, the uh the two families uh, uh members the uh, Magdaleno family uh were feuding over wanting to retain uh the AA literature in the NA meetings and there was a big resentment that occurred interesting how our growth uh correlates with uh, conflict and resentment and they took uh and went up to uh they took and went up to um, you know uh, San francisco and started and started some n a meetings there and then and then the, there was another split in and the San Diego uh, meetings got started uh, tomorrow uh, late there will be a guy here that was around for the formation of uh, the fellowship in San Diego. he's got uh, thirty years clean uh, so. We're going on, we're going on, we're up to about 1970 here. And, uh, well in 68 there was a Voice of NA newsletter printed and basically that was just to, you know, tell stories and to share about events and it was published locally and I got copies of that at home too and I just, I'm sorry, uh, I'm not real prepared. I do have copies of every uh... world service conference minutes and fellowship reports and reports and literature and everything right here right up until nineteen eighty five and and uh, you know i've got the rest of it at home but i just brought this with me because it it's history most of us know uh... what happened you know from eighty five on professional contracts and junk like that uh, but, uh, at any, at any rate, they uh, decided to, op- to, to, to like open an office. So the, the, gener- the general service organization they called it GSO. And that was basically, you know, they'd been doing the same thing for years and years and years. Jimmy had been answering the phones and putting out literature and, and getting, uh, you know, detoxing members from uh, new, new people, uh, from Cry Help and other uh, You know, detoxes and treatment facilities around the valley to help, to help out, to type and, you know, to put things together. Uh, so at 1970, we're up to about 20 meetings a week. Now where were you in 1970? I know where I was. I was full blown on on the streets of Haight-Ashbury. And, uh, so, uh, you know, it's interesting that, uh, you know, in 1970, we only had about 20 meetings in the whole world. I guess this is significant because as we start to come up in, over the next 15 years, we will see some interesting things that historically uh, may, uh, just as a historical event, maybe no spiritual significance to it. but. Uh, the beginning of of, of literature. Uh, along about 1970 uh, and 71, there started to be what they call the trustee literature committee where they started to write, which was really a very small venture, and they started to write literature in, uh, you know, basically with the folks that hung around the office. And uh the office was run out of Jimmy Kennan's house for years and years and years, right up until 1982, late 82. Uh, it was operated out of, out of this man's house. Um, and we need to know that. We need to know that there was somebody that had the commitment and the dedication to Narcotics Anonymous to sit there for 30 years with nothing happening. I mean, you know, we find it hard to sit still for 30 minutes. You know what I mean? We find it hard to stay committed for 30 days.
1: You know?
0: So I think we're looking at what at what commitment means. You know, yes, it's a just-for-today program for the rest of our lives, hopefully. Uh, but the choice is ours. The choice has always been ours. Um, so along about this time, choices are are, are starting to be made. Uh, somebody comes up with a bright idea, like let's have a world convention. So they had a world convention in La Mirada, California, in 1970, and that's uh, the uh, 20th anniversary or, or thereabouts. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, we're getting close to that. Okay. Uh the reason I say that is because we have tapes we have tapes from the 20th and the 23rd anniversary uh of, of of Narcotics Anonymous in which some of the founding members speak you know and hopefully they'll be you know available uh for you to either listen to or purchase at some point during the course of this ad-a-thon weekend uh but uh, so they had a world convention I'm I'm sure it was uh, very well attended uh, like uh, maybe, uh, from what I understand, there was about 150 people there at the First World Convention. And at the Third World Convention, there was about 300 people tops. So we're looking at uh, Southern California, Northern California Fellowship with no meetings really outside of the state of California. And that was, uh, <laughs> that was that. I mean, everybody knew one another. It would be like going to a convention in my home region. You know, in West Virginia, you know, there's 250 or 300 people there. You get to hug everybody. So everybody knew one another and uh, generally was in some way participating in each other's uh, recovery. So between 71 and 75, they formed the first uh, area service committee. They opened a World Service office on Crenshaw Boulevard, and... Uh, That didn't last too long, from what I understand. It was just open for a a little while, and uh, then it uh, reverted back to Jimmy's house again. And uh, so we're talking 1972. There's probably 70, 80 meetings in the world in Narcotics Anonymous. In 1976, uh, there was uh, approximately 200 meetings in in the world. Most of those meetings being in uh, Southern California. Still, uh, <clears throat> long about 1972, three uh, somebody in Georgia got a hold of a white book and uh, started cementing meetings down there. You know, began uh, the the uh, fellowship on the East Coast. Uh, same way happened in Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia and Atlanta, Georgia are the oldest, uh, East Coast NA Fellowships. With, uh, interestingly enough, uh, I think, uh, McKeesport, Pennsylvania and, uh, uh, Spartanburg, South Carolina and, uh, some other you know, very nondescript, oddball, off the way play, out of the way places, got a white book and started a meeting. Because addicts were really hungry for something. You know, uh, AA, AA at the time was, uh, not in competition with, with Narcotics Anonymous. They just said that you don't share that shit here, boy. Or girl. And if you want to talk about that, you gotta go. And, uh, it's still that way today in my home state and a lot of the more rural places there. You don't go to an AA meeting because they tell you you don't belong here. Uh, today there's an alternative and, and, and some, you know, good people guide you to that alternative, which is Narcotics Anonymous. But at the time, uh, addicts were kind of you know, floundering around in a sea of nothing. Man. It's like, you don't belong here. Well, where do I belong? Well, addicts don't get better. You're supposed to die. And, uh, and that was the climate. So we've had to, you know, we've had to struggle, and we've had to really fight for the existence of narcotics Anonymous all throughout our, our history. And, and that, that fight and that struggle is still occurring today in emerging fellowships around the world. Uh, you know, you look in uh, reports from Colombia and, and, and Brazil and places like that, you know, there. I mean, wow. You know, we think about 20,000 meetings and three quarters of a million addicts in the Fellowship of Narcotics Anonymous today, but you spread that out on a planet of six billion people, and you get an idea of the work there is to do. And there is not any place on, on the face of this earth where the disease of addiction does not exist. So we really have a lot of work to do in terms of, uh, quote-unquote, evangelizing the world for Narcotics Anonymous, which is why we need members to be committed today. What was true thirty years ago will be true thirty years from now. We are just part of a legacy. Of a wave. We are pawns in, in God's, you know, in, in, in God's revealing, uh, himself through these principles and through the power and the majesty of our 12 steps and 12 traditions. Uh, in 1975, a member who had about three years clean, four years clean at the time, uh, got together with Jimmy, uh, and says, well, why don't we have a, a service structure, you know, and they started out uh, talking about it, and they went through uh, all the old AA service structure and stuff like that, which, and uh, they came up with this document here called the N.A. tree. And this was our first service structure, and it's really quite simple. It was quite efficient, quite effective. Uh, hmm. Maybe we need to return to something that simple, uh, that was based on the 12 steps and 12 traditions. The difference between the Fellowship of Narcotics Anonymous and our evolution as a fellowship in terms of our service structure, now I, I wanna, I wanna make a statement here that if you, if you look at our steps and traditions, all of our steps and all of our traditions are about service. If you look in the front of the basic text, you'll see what they call a service symbol. See? And it talks about service. And when we serve and attract more members, we have a pyramid here. And the more members we attract is the base of the pyramid, and the more we attract, the higher the sides, the higher the point of freedom the higher we we are able to go in our own personal recoveries. So, our fellowship was founded on and based upon the twelve traditions and the principles. Our steps and traditions are all principles. Our steps are traditions. Okay? Our traditions are steps. But they all point in one direction, and that's selfless service. That's serving for reasons other than self. Uh, so our, our service structure and our fellowship is based on the principle of service. Conversely, Alcoholics Anonymous was founded as a marketing tool for a publication written by its two founding members, that was called the AA Big Book. And they started out, and their entire organization and service structure was written differently and and founded differently. Their fellowship grew as a result of marketing the uh, Big Book. Now, I mean, you know, if we're talking about history, we've got to talk about history, you know. And there was parallel, there were there were parallel uh, growths and and things like that that were going that were going on. And but it's interesting to see at what point we we began the separation uh, that was God's way of of, of possibly making our message of recovery available to more people. The traditions were not written for twenty years. AA did not have traditions for twenty years. They were a fellowship for twenty years without the tradition. The Twelve Concepts of Service were written twelve to fourteen years later. so their their entire fellowship and their entire service structure evolved from a different spirit, a different place, a different growth. Uh, and 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 I'm not making a value judgment. You know, certainly what they do works fine for them. But one of the exciting things about being a member of Narcotics Anonymous is the the creative spirit of God that has always been involved in 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 our development. Uh, we said, you know, necessarily uh, <clears throat> that we we need to be different, because we need to have a different identification. So people with multiple uh, substance abuse problems, and that's all it was at the time, it was not like the disease of addiction and the philosophy of the disease concept that that is, is, is growing in acceptance in Narcotics Anonymous. It was more or less like, you know, uh, it said in order to do H&I work in Narcotics Anonymous, you had to be an alcoholic, a barbiturate addict, or a narcotic addict. I mean, that's right here. That was the requirement uh, for <clears throat> being able to serve in his fellowship in the beginning so it's really interesting how the refinement of our message is beginning to beginning to exhibit itself we're finally gathering in numbers larger than you know ten at a time through the World Convention we've published a, a basis for a service structure and then we have a World Service Conference and that first World Service Conference all of the documents and information from that First World Service Conference are right here. And that was bigger than the second one, because they had the second and the third ones in conjunction with the World Convention, and uh, they decided that that was a mistake, that everybody wanted to party. and. Uh, so the World uh, Service Conference got off to a rather, rather shaky start. Uh, in 1978, 77, there was uh, a guy on the East Coast who will uh, be here probably in the next 40, 50 minutes uh, that was scratching his head, going, "How come we don't have a book? You know, and why can't we have a book? You know, I mean." Why do we have to keep scratching out the word alcohol in this uh, large book, you know? And uh, it, it, was a, it was a puzzlement, you know, it was a real puzzlement. Uh, but the, the, the popular school of thought at the time was that addicts couldn't write, you know? I mean, addicts can't write? I mean, some of our greatest literature was written by addicts using addicts. You know? I mean, you look at, uh, at Hemingway and Poe and, you know, I mean, just the list is endless. So the idea that clean addicts couldn't write is uh, a little bit far-fetched. Uh, <clears throat> so, at any rate, we're getting, to the, uh, <clears throat> we're getting to the point where there's a stirring in the breast of narcotics anonymous. A yearning for an identity. Now that we are beginning to see that we cannot mature in the shadows of another fellowship, that we must step out into the light and take a risk. We must begin to risk. We must begin to to stand on the principles that we've been taught and that have been reading we've been listening to in our meetings. Okay, and, and you can imagine the, 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 the fear and the excitement and the controversy. There has been incredible controversy from the very beginning of Narcotics Anonymous. And controversy is where we grow. The first step is controversy in me. When I walked in here, and you told me about I'm powerless over a disease called addiction and I have to change my whole fucking life, I will tell you that all I felt was conflict. (laughs) And in my first N.A. meeting, there was a fist fight in the parking lot over the A.A. Big Book and Hazelden literature not being in Narcotics Anonymous. And I said, what's this about? And they explained it to me, and I said,
1: all right, yeah.
0: So uh, that's how I came to Narcotics Anonymous, in the midst of conflict. So along about 1976, this conflict began, this conflict between the past and growth the past and the future. And it ripped the fellowship apart, because 99% of the people that were clean at that particular point in the history of Narcotics Anonymous got clean somewhere besides Narcotics Anonymous, and there was not enough meetings for them to do a ninety and ninety in narcotics anonymous, even to the point of having to drive, like I did when I got clean, I drove seventy-five miles one way, two nights a week, to get my ninety and ninety.
1: See.
0: Today recovery is so convenient. We just all oh, well, the meeting's not in my neighborhood. Oh well, it's where I. I used to cop, you know, people, places, and things, you know. (laughs) But it's down in them ghettos and them war zones that the 12th Step is all about. That's where it's about. It's about going out where no one wants to go and doing the work. That's what Narcotics Anonymous has always been. And anything else is not the spirit of narcotics tonight. It's convenience, comfortability bothers me. You know, I'm co- when I'm when I begin to get comfortable, and I hear people talk about how comfortable I am, and boy, I feel great. And I hear it out in meetings, and I hear it out in meetings. I've been sitting around long enough to know that the people who are comfortable are out the door soon. Because if I'm growing, there's always some conflict. There's always some internal conflict going, because I have to continue to step beyond the limitations of my present reality. That always is a source of conflict. We are the creators in the group conscience. We are the creators of our own destiny. If we rely on the past, and are afraid of the future, then we will never grow as a fellowship. And we have begun to reach that point in Narcotics Anonymous today, where our growth in the United States is stabilized. Where people say, oh, well, you don't, you know, we don't need to do the work. You know, we don't need to be involved in service, you know. After all, I have a home group and group conscience, you know. And we're, you know, our, 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 our attitudes and our viewpoints have shrunk somewhat. When I got clean, every single addict that walked through the door was a precious commodity. And every single addict that walks through the door today still is a precious commodity in the sight of God. So this is the spirit. This is the spirit that spurred our growth and made people stand up and get punched in meetings saying, we need our own literature. We need our own book. So I want to tell a little bit, and I don't want to take the story away from the guy that's going to be here to tell this, but he went to, uh, you know, with three years clean to California, says, who's working on a book? Oh, what are you doing about the book, you know? And uh, you know, there was this guy there with a bunch of years clean that says, what are you going to do about the book? What are you going to do about the book? And one uh, of these days, one of you are going to write, you know, well, nothing was happening. So he hooked up with this other guy, and they sat and went, you know, talked about the book. And the next year they came back to uh, the World Convention, and uh, this guy that said, well, what about the book? What about the book? Uh, this guy says, well, I have 150 pages. The guy says, well, I've got to take a shower. And the guy says, well, I'll go with you. So essentially, some uh, little three-year clean newcomer high on swamp gas from Georgia was basically responsible for a movement that changed the face of the history of narcotics and violence. Now everybody was participating in one way or another in that movement by pointing fingers and saying, you guys are out of your minds, you'll never succeed. You're destined to fail, this is self-will. See? It's the same old song, it's the same old story, it's been used capriciously for years. But the text got written. You know how it got written? People had to hitchhike, they sold their cars, they sold their blood to rent typewriters, to buy the paper, to rent the facility. And this was what was going on. Addicts died. Addicts left N.A. Oh, you guys don't like A.A. no more, and there's so much controversy, I'm going back to A.A. Well, you know, hey, that's just the way the cookie crumbles, you know what I mean? but there were some people that were willing there were some people that were willing to stand on what they believed to stand for what they believed, rightly or wrongly, you know I respect people who stand on what they believe and are not blown by the uh the winds of uh people pleasing and uh if I get so-and-so to like me, I'll have a position, you know, and, uh, and all of that. So uh, I'm trying to stimulate, so when you hear these people share over the course of this weekend, you'll ask some probing questions, you know. You'll try to pull that little extra effort out of, out of yourself and out of the people who are standing at, at the podium talking to you. The uh, First World Lit Conference was held in 1979 in Wichita, Kansas, right after the World Convention, and Lincoln people jumped in the car and and went over there. And I mean, uh, it was really a special time in Narcotics Anonymous. I got clean after about two months after the basic text was published. And the spirit of this fellowship at that time And the feeling that was involved in our services and the excitement that was spread far and wide across the face of Narcotics Anonymous brings, uh, you know, uh, goosebumps and and rushes to me today. And uh, so we look at the first World Literature Conference. We're looking at about 450 meetings in the whole world. Now, it's interesting how the, how the growth begins to accelerate at this point. When they got the grade book, you know, I don't know whether you've ever seen it, but it's, it's like a big old book with numbers down the side and, you know, got some funny language in it and stuff like that, but, but it, was not, it was the first basic text. By the time that was approved, that review and input happened in Memphis, that 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 Memphis copy was printed and developed and brought to the fellowship. There was 1,100 meetings, from 400 in two years to 1,100, okay? And we're going to watch, we're going to watch this wild explosion of growth in Narcotics Anonymous because well eh maybe because we were beginning to stand for something maybe we were beginning to to breathe excitement and enthusiasm you know maybe there were more people who said well I ain't going back there I don't have to I can recover in N.A. look here we have a book and we've been working on this book and you know boy It was exciting, I'll tell you what, it was exciting. And uh, so, in 1982, they had done all their work on the review and input, and they came out with this little tiny book about this thick, called the Approval Copy of the Basic Text. That was the first ten chapters of the Basic Text, no stories stories were put together later in a publication that was sent around, but in 1982 at the World Service Conference they approved the approval copy of the basic text without stories. The stories were circulated after the 82 World Service Conference and came in. They didn't get a chance to go through the group conscience process but they were included in the publication of the Red Book, which was the special edition, the first. Interestingly enough, in the Grey Book, there was some... uh, language about the traditions, you know, that was uh, included. And uh, in the approval copy that same language was included. And uh, that's what the groups voted on. And uh, wow, interestingly enough, when the Red Book came out there were stories and that language was gone. So that's why we had three editions of the basic text in a year. Three editions. (laughs) The, the, the approval copy, the red book, and the first edition. Before the conference in '83, they started to print the second edition. The first printing of the second edition was done. At the World Service Conference in '82, the Fellowship showed out in mass. Why did you take that stuff out of our book? Bar, and the Fellowship went, and the conference went. Well, uh, uh, okay, let's put it back in.
1: So in the second printing
0: of the second edition, they had paste-overs. Now they pasted the original tradition language back in, in the fourth and ninth edition, and in the third printing of the second edition, it was all without paste well guess what? In the year nineteen eighty-three we had four printings of basic text. We had we had the second edition, one, two, and three. And then we had the third. And interestingly enough, That weird tradition language was gone again. I mean, you know, at some point you go, huh, why bother? So, uh, you know, they printed the third edition for the remainder of the conference year, and in 1984, the third edition revised changes were brought to the World Service Conference in form of a proposal by the trustees to change the stories in the little white book and to change the language in the little white book. Okay, so uh, that went up for a year to the fellowship. All the groups in Narcotics Anonymous voted on these changes to the white book. And uh, a motion was made uh, from, you know, I mean, hey, it's here. <laughs> you know, what I'm telling you, it's all here. Oh, in 1982, uh, they were saying that uh, Phil Perez, who was uh, the uh, office board of director chair at the time, says, gee, uh, there was a printing error. We've heard that one before. Uh, you know, on, between the approval copy and the, and the Red Book, uh, and then there's other letters in there from the chairman of the World Service branches about, you know, but the problem, the problem that we found ourselves in uh, today with literature is that, you know, literature is money. The World Service Office didn't have any money until we had a book.
1: Until we had a book. We didn't have any meetings.
0: We didn't have any meetings. People didn't get clean. So we got a book. Now, so from the the book in 83, we got today, from 83 there was 1,100 meetings, today we got about 22,000 meetings worldwide. We're growing, folks. And with growth comes growing pains. That you can remember when you were growing up how that, the knee hurt or the elbow or something like that, you know. And, 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 and we have to look at, at our fellowship at kind of like as a growing body. you know, Part of it grows faster than other parts, just like in our own personal recovery and in our own personal journey through growing up to be uh, adults. Yeah, right. Uh, you know that uh, that there are growing pains along the way. You know, one thing goes a little faster. You know, and my gosh, uh, you know, you have to have a party to introduce your pants to your ankles about once a year. You know, and uh, so I mean, you know, we, we must understand that 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 with with all of the growth that we're coming to, uh, we're going to have some problems you know we've had a lot of problems you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the program of Narcotics Anonymous I want to make that abundantly clear now the program of Narcotics Anonymous is the twelve steps and the twelve traditions that's what the program is the fellowship is a bunch of people you know And service outside of the group is outside of the group. I think what the people in World Services were so hot about then and are hot about today is because the Fourth and Ninth Tradition made it very clear that our service boards and committees and offices and conventions and fundraisers were not Narcotics Anonymous. There were other people that disagreed with that, but the group conscience said it was. So here we are today, all these years later with, you know, five editions of the basic text. Now, you know, current current philosophy has it that the fourth edition was approved, fellowship approved. No, the fourth edition was not. It was never approved. The World Service Conference said, no, we don't want the fourth edition. Not only did they say we don't want the fourth edition, but they didn't approve the fifth edition either. So we're talking about a rather checkered history, we're talking about a lot of manipulation, we're talking about a lot of control, we're talking about a lot of things that occur in the course of our development that goes on underneath, away in the shadows. you the general member the person that goes to meetings doesn't get a chance to see doesn't get a chance to know why okay that's the purpose of what we're doing here tonight is for the fellowship to know that's the reason for the history of narcotics phenomenon it's for the fellowship to know, because it's not reality to say that everything that, ac- that happens in Narcotics Anonymous is spiritual or hunky-dory. You know, it's just not real. As addicts, I'm most comfortable with the truth, you know. You take my dope, I'll shoot you, you know. You tell me the truth, and I can deal. But if you flim flam something up and you make it real pretty and it's for a half truth, and then you wonder, I'm not going to be able to deal with it responsibly. Okay. So part of part of the problem has been that we have no accurate history of our fellowship. The good the bad and the ugly. If you were wrong, it's highly unlikely that you're going to come to a forum such as this and admit that you're wrong. But until this occurs, until the truth is told for everybody, then we're never going to know the good things we did, the mistakes we made. The paths that we walked down that ended up in blind alleys. The World Service Office has been offered all of the archives from the beginning, but they said, if you give them to us, they are ours and we will do with them whatever we choose. Uh, kind of do that with our literature, you know. So, uh, I mean, I got right here, like back in 1979 where people were begging for a history to be written. Here it is, 1990, and we're just getting started on it. You know, we're just getting started. And it's going to be great, you know, we can sit around a table and we can listen to all these old-timers point fingers at one another and transcribe it all down and put it out. And it'll be beautiful. Because we'll learn from that. And our old-timers, quote-unquote, will grow from that. There are people that were invited to this function that are not showing up. See? They're not showing up because they like to do their deeds in the dark see they don't want the truth told because it will make them look bad but I got to deal with the truth in my life you know yeah that's right grateful Dave slapped somebody at the area service boy he's real spiritual
1: (laughs) you know I got to learn
0: what I got to learn and I got to go through what I got to go through and we got to go through what we got to go through, you know? I've been coming here to this area five and a half years. I've been sitting on a porch down the street, and I've been talking about Narcotics Anonymous. I've been involved with World Service and service to this fellowship since my second day clean, I was in a group conscience meeting. And my fifth day clean, I was at a regional formation meeting. And my 40th day clean, I was at a World TI workshop. And my 70th day clean, I was in a penthouse with uh, trustees in uh, the World Convention going, What's this all about? What's this all about? You know, tell me this, tell me that, you know. So Service in Narcotics Anonymous is 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 what it is. Because without service, we have no spirit. And without spirit and service, we have no soul. And without no soul, we ain't going to grow. And people are going to come to our meetings and say, "Well, this is a phony baloney bunch. You know, sitting around talking a bunch of good-sounding bullshit, giving thumbs up to one another. Yeah, you sounded good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right on, man.
0: You know. So we got to get down in the trenches and do the work we got to quit trying to make you know, make everything so pretty, you know, we have the truth. The truth is not always pretty, but the truth will set us free. There's a lovely lady that just walked in that's going to do the next section. She uh, used to work at the World Service Office. She knows a lot of the old people. She lived in California, and is, God has graced us with her presence here tonight. And uh, I've come to know uh, this lady, and I know she loves Narcotics Anonymous, and I know she's dedicated, and I know she's here because she wants the truth to be told. So uh, I've given you some uh, some things to think about, and some questions maybe to ask over the course of the weekend. to ask yourself as well as to ask the people who participate here. Um, but it all begins and ends in the home group. And we're at uh, the midnight hour, and I've uh, talked a lot. I could talk a lot more and not repeat myself.
1: <laughs>
0: well, I don't think that would be real fair. Uh, but I will say that you know it's one thing to listen to people that sound good you know and I know how to sound good but what I'm interested in seeing in my life is people that live good people whose mouth lines up with their feet if they tell you that they're going to do something, you see them doing it. You know? It's great to sit on the sidelines and point fingers, but it's totally useless. You know, controversy a part of life. The division of cells, the formation of the universe, conflict, and flagration so uh, I'm looking forward to a, to a, a weekend that will uh, you know stimulate uh, my desire to know and uh, you know, I've never been one that shrank from conflict and uh, hopefully our fellowship will not and we will do the job uh, telling our history the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth Because you cannot edit history, and you cannot change history. And there's a lot of history out there that's waiting to be told, you know. But we only hear one thing in our N.A. media, what the N.A. media wants us to hear. Good night. We've got a, a time, for, time for a few questions. you have to come to the microphone. Uh, we won't entertain any questions that are not, uh, you know, addressed in line at the microphone. Uh, that will be the rigor of the course over the entire weekend. I would like to say that, you know, I became a repository for information like a computer chip, you know, with about three years clean. I knew everything and could repeat it, you know. But what I learned today is just stuff that I learned and what I shared with you is stuff that I can repeat, you know? And, uh, but I've done research on it, you know? And so I kind of like with the steps, you know, the steps became something that came alive to me when I quit trying to sound good with them and and tried to to learn to live them. So, you know, let's, let's live our future in Narcotics Anonymous. Any questions? To the mic? Um, you were saying before about in the history. Um, getting together now. You think, will be that Yeah, to, tonight what we're gonna do this, over the course of this weekend, we're gonna tape All the questions and all the comments and everything, those are going to be transcribed uh, from the tape. The tapes will be made available to anyone, so you'll see that the transcripts will not be changed. Uh, And they will be forwarded on to a workshop that's going to be going in Alabama. Uh, And there, there are more workshops that will be continuing on the history around the country. Uh, over the course of the next couple of years, so ultimately, we may have a, a, a nice thick, thick history book, unedited. You know, that will be a work of the fellowship. You know, and just be a big, a big thick book. You know, that has all the uh, accusations. You know, and uh, and, uh, and and all the little, you know, uh, personal anecdotes and. And, and, and people's viewpoints about how things were at the time, you know, that's our hope. Any other questions? <coughs> you got a pause button on this thing? Greg. Hi, Greg. Hi, Greg. I thought it was rather interesting to talk about qualifications for service with uh, the time of our time. Yes. Was there any history about
1: efforts for the name of Python? the program the addiction
0: yeah uh, several several attempts have been made uh, to uh, alter the name of the fellowship but the name of the fellowship has so much history that that there's you know not done any real serious or what you would say, successful attempts to change the name. There have been splinter groups uh, called Drugs Anonymous, Pills Anonymous in, in New York, but they were not necessarily a splinter group of Narcotics Anonymous. They existed before the Fellowship of Narcotics Anonymous was able to be in uh, public in New York. and. As soon as Narcotics Anonymous came busting in with a royal convention there, uh, these, these other groups uh, began to decline in membership and, uh, uh, and respect, basically because they were so similar in their substance-specific or symptomatic approach to recovery, where uh, Narcotics Anonymous approached the recovery. Is uh, a holistic approach that deals with the whole person rather than the symptomology, and uh, that makes our fellowship and our evolving message unique today. It wasn't that way when we when we first started out. It was uh, very drug oriented. I did uh, I get it all? There was Addicts Anonymous that was started a few times. Uh, it started out in Philadelphia with some uh, disgruntled uh, N.A. members, and I know that there's been other attempts. There was an Addicts Anonymous in uh, California and a couple other, you know, attempts. The question was, was there any uh, attempts to uh, form another fellowship uh, to change the name of Narcotics Anonymous to be more consistent with the uh, approach to recovery from the disease of addiction. Uh, in the past, you know, there was some, uh, some attempts to do that, but they weren't for that particular reason, and maybe in the future there will be other attempts that will be done for that reason. To uh, more accurately reflect uh, the exact principles in our steps and traditions, I don't know if I'll uh, be supportive of that. You know, I I know too much about this fellowship. You know, and the evolution of this fellowship is is exciting enough.
1: Uh, I, I don't know, well, I'm an advocate in loans, and uh, my question was that uh, in your research, have you run into or uh, run, run across anything with uh, any meetings or something that's gone
0: sort of along as, as a meeting, uh, as the end of meeting,
1: it's like an AANA meeting. Have you run across any of that new research? Yeah. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I have
0: recently. Yeah. If you go, if you go in the northeast corridor in the large major poli- uh, metropolitan uh, areas, you will find that uh, Alcoholics Anonymous is uh, is for the most part uh, in in these large metropolitan areas, except for a few of the old groups of very much and. Uh, uh, what we call ANDA uh, <laughs> fellowship. And uh, also, you know, in, in, in California and in some places in the Northeast Corridor and around in the larger metropolitan areas of Minnesota, for example, Narcotics Anonymous is an ANDA fellowship. Uh, you know, and and that, I think, points up rather clearly. Uh, the phenomena of the message of recovery in narcotics anonymous being more or less a, uh, southeast, southeastern United States and midwestern, uh, effort. And, and I think that that part's partially evolved, uh, because we were sent white books and there wasn't a 25 year sober guy hanging on it saying, well look, this is really the way it is kid, you know. And we had to figure out what recovery from addiction was and what the desire to stop using men, because we were rejected by Alcoholics Anonymous. But there arose a competition uh, between the fellowships uh, on the East Coast that said, well, you, you know, hey, there ain't no recovery over there, and you got to come over here. And you know, we got into it too. We got into it too. Now we're we're not really white. Well, uh, you know, you can't go over there. I'm sober, mm-hmm. you know.
1: And uh,
0: and in California, they just don't have a clue. You know, they're, 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 it's, uh, they, they go where wherever they go, and uh, you know, it all matters, really. But it's interesting that the first purist movement in, 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 in the Fellowship of Narcotics Anonymous started in, in Southern California, in the Los Angeles area. There were members whom uh, our next speaker knows that were uh, completely uh, what we would call today pure NA members. They talked clean, uh, and uh, they only went to NA meetings. And that, that's really marvelous, uh, you know. So we have a, a, a heritage of, of purism in this uh, fellowship. Bring it
1: the money. And what are their names and who determines that our
0: money is used to build buildings instead of putting out more books? and who determines the cost of our books and our literature. Well, uh, uh, let's see, they haven't changed the price of the basic text since uh, 1983. Uh, so, that uh, particular piece was set a long time ago. Uh, obviously you and I, uh, up until the present, have not been able to determine the price of our literature or where the money goes. Uh, I don't know quite how to explain this in, in, in the short term. Uh, most banks see World Services as being our one entity, and they're not. Uh, we have a World Service office, which is a corporation that is the, uh, the producer uh, and, and holder uh, of a fiduciary relationship for our copyrights, which means that they're held in trust. They are the ones that print, publish, and distribute literature. Well that's not always been the case Uh, before, uh, you know, areas and regions and groups printed and developed and distributed literature. And that's similar to a grassroots uh, type of thing that's going on today. Uh, The money goes to a corporation, Uh, whether the corporation is using that money, in a way that we, as a fellowship, feel is responsible or not is a matter for great study and debate and for conscience, both individual and group. And uh, but knowledge is is, uh, is the forerunner, you know, uh, of, of making a decision. Um, the volunteer service structure had a gross income last year of two hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Uh, the corporation had an income of five million. Uh, that is basically generated from the sale of our literature, of which forty three percent of all total volume of the sales is sold to outside enterprises outside the Fellowship of Narcotics Anonymous, Hazelden, and CompCare. Uh, <clears throat> purchased their literature uh, at $5.23 for a basic text, whereas the New York Regional Service Offices pays $0.40 cents more. So our office is selling literature 40%, 43% of its funds to outside vendors cheaper than it's selling to the fellowship. Uh, it costs about a quarter uh, of a cent to produce the Triangle of Self-Obsession. It costs you about 13 cents. It costs a half a cent to produce the key tag, 26 cents to produce the tape, 20 cents for a medallion, $1. forty-seven cents for a basic text. Uh, you get the idea. That's where the money goes. We've expanded the World Service Office in the past two years from 18 paid employees in 1987 at the conference, to a current staff of 48 full-time employees. Everywhere they go, they go uh, on airplanes, they have credit cards and expense accounts, and maybe that's something that we want to do, and maybe it's not. Because our ninth tradition says we may create service boards and committees directly responsible. The flip side of that is that we may not create them, or we may uncreate them. Or we may modify the relationship of special workers uh, to the service structure. But uh, until you know, uh, you know what I mean? It's like getting bad dope when you first were getting high. You know, you thought it was great until you got some good. And then you didn't want anything else, you know. It's like, so, you know, really, uh, the fellowship owns everything. You. Everybody in this room owns the copyrights. They're yours. They're ours. Every stapler, every chair, every, you know. So it's up to us to decide what to do with them. (laughs)
1: How would you suggest that the fellowship at large organize to demand an accounting for the monies and direct input on some changes that us, the fellowship at large, we're
0: more concerned concern in the areas of copyright, new material, um, input of that material, selection of officers, and find out what the basic requirement to be a member of this committee is. It's out of it. Well, there's a number of things we can do. Uh since nineteen since nineteen eighty two we've been going to the World Service Conference as a block, uh asking for dialogue and accountability. Uh there has uh,
1: not been
0: that accountability uh or the allowance of any substantial or significant dialogue as to the pertinent issues that you that you raise, the, the questions that you asked. Uh, this World Service Conference was uh, the worst in memory. I mean, depending upon where you sit, I mean, if you sit on a world board or committee, they got everything they wanted. If you look at the Fellowship Report, the news line, the NA Way, uh, I mean, you know, you can see uh, how the uh, truth and there's RSRs and people who are at the World Service Conference, how the truth has been manipulated to make people that want to engage in such discussions, as you uh, put forth in your question, appear to be uh, zealots, Hitlers, out to destroy the fellowship of narcotics and with no reason to, uh, you know, I mean, that's what that's what our NA media has been, has been used for has been to isolate us one from another. The World Service Conference. Uh, in here, they told us that uh, you know uh, they said that the regions on the East Coast made 150 motions. Well, we made less than 30. The actual truth. So, the point is, they ain't listening. They want no dialogue. What can we do? It's called grassroots. You know? Go to your home group. Discuss these things. Make a decision what it is that you would like to do. You know? I mean, we can try and continue to try to work, quote, unquote, within the structure, which I've support entirely. Uh, but there are, there are other things that we can do that are not necessarily and entirely within the context of the structure as we know it, as it exists, that we can do. I see uh, some of that in your bag. You know, I mean, you want cheaper, you want cheaper literature and cheaper basic text? that's all, send a message, say, we don't like it. They ain't going to listen to nothing but the pocketbook. And I will tell you that they spent $15,000 of your money sending legal cease and desist letters around the fellowship in the past 30 days, and federal expressing apologies because at $14 a pop because of that. So, you know, the hand is on the nuts. If you want to put your hand on and squeeze a little bit, maybe we can change something.
2: Hi, I'm an addict. My name's Arlene. I'm confused. You said that the the fourth and fifth edition are not World Service uh, approved, am I correct? Okay. um, What is, why do we use it? Or, I mean, is that why we use it, because they don't approve it and it's what we want?
0: What? What? Wow, man, you know, we have to do something different. Good question. Why do we use uh, literature that wasn't approved by the entire fellowship? I don't know. I mean, that's a question for you to discuss in your group conscience. Uh, if If you look and you research the history and the minutes of the World Service Conference, you will see that the fourth edition was not approved at the World Service Conference because that's why we have a fifth edition. But they never voted to have another edition of the text. There was a discussion which is in plain documents for everybody to see that substantiates what I said. So what they've done is they sold you a book that was professionally edited, and it was made presentable and a glossary put in it, so it would be palatable to treatment centers. If you take and, and compare the third edition, revised, With that addition, they take out some very, uh, controversial, uh, statements about recovery from the disease of addiction. And, uh, we need to have more money and more literature, and and let's do it faster and better. I mean, you're asking me, I'm telling you. That's, you know, it's a matter for you to go home and say, well, look, uh, you know, get with somebody that has the information. I mean, lots of people can talk. And lots of people talk real good and are very persuasive. But if they can't back up what they're talking about, don't listen to them.
2: The book here it says that uh, this is N.A. Conference approved literature. Um, and it says N.A. and the N.A. Way registered trademarks of WSO. All right. What is conference-approved literature? I mean, are are all the pamphlets that we have are those all conference-approved? Are they World Service-approved? Um, I I some say this, some say that. I. The World Service Conference
0: is a group of 75 votes that may or may not reflect the wishes of the fellowship. The fellowship is the home groups, and the conference is the conference. We gave the conference approved logo, stamp for all of our literature since the very beginning uh, when we got a conference. We had literature before. See, so, you know, the question is whether conference approved is fellowship approved or whether it's conference approved. So there's a lot of things that happen on the Florida World Service Conference that do not coincide with what you and I believe and or, or do in our home groups when we say that group conscience and we move that up. You know, a lot of things happen, quick fixes. People think they know what's best for Narcotics Anonymous on the floor of the World Service conference, and they just act, uh, in a lot of people's views, capriciously. Because uh, I,
2: I know when I read the basic text, it's, some of it's very, not very palatable to me. It's very hard for me to concentrate because I can't relate to a lot of it. Um, when you get into, and this is my opinion, when you get into something like this, I can relate to something more like this. You know, rather than the technical jargon. You know, even though I'm in the medical profession, that doesn't matter. You know, it's still something I want one-on-one. And I guess that comes back to what can we do. You know. Thank you.
1: Well, yeah, I want to thank you for the
0: history. You know, I heard the tape but you did not Florida. I'm about to check it past our basic textile and a few other things, and it's always nice to learn a few things. But, you know, like, again, you know, like, uh, maybe you can give me some history about maybe what WSI or WSC, or maybe what our server structure has done right. Of so course, right here is what they do wrong. Maybe you can shed some light on that. Well. Our service structure from the very beginning has been there to uh, basically answer the telephone. Uh, right now, that's what the World Service Office uh, does real well. They answer the telephone real well, and uh, they, they ship literature pretty well, you know, most of the time. Uh, and they disseminate uh, information and they refer calls to the PI and, and things like that. They do that stuff pretty well. Uh, I guess it's the nature, you know, the nature that we all have is like, you know, when things are working real well, we don't want to fix it, you know. It's not the things that that are being done, uh, you know, that are correct that need fixing or maybe even so, so much discussion. There's a lot of good that's been done by World Services and is still continuing to be done by World
1: Services. It is not those things that that need to be changed